0: Welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And if you're interested in some insider perks, you can pitch in a few dollars a month at patreon.com forward slash cleantechnica. That's patreon.com forward slash cleantechnica.
1: We're here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk. Today we're talking with Asad Razouk, founder and CEO of a large renewable energy company, host of the Angry Green Energy Guy podcast, and trustee of Client Earth. Which is basically acting as a lawyer for the earth uh, in various ways. Asad, just to start off, maybe can you give us a little bit of a background of who you are, where you come from, and why you're doing what you're doing?
2: I love the fact that I'm here. Thank you very much. And I'm a big fan. I am here because it matters. I didn't know that it matters until I was in China in 2006 on a trip to try and capture methane from coal mining. And I was doing it frankly, without much environmental awareness or any awareness about climate change. At the time we were doing it because it made sense commercially under a now, moribund mechanism called the Kyoto Protocol, which generated carbon offsets if you captured methane. But what stayed with me during that trip was really none of that. What stayed with me was blackened faces, sick teeth, and diseased skin from that coal mining community in the very heart of China's coal capital. And at the time, I was a developer of greenhouse gas abatement projects. And before that, I was a banker. And originally, I'm Lebanese and uh, British. And what stayed with me opened my eyes. You know, I had to then dedicate myself to try and answer the question of what the hell is going on? because i was blind to it in fact you know remember this was 2006 i think it's conservative to say that environmental awareness perhaps wasn't as widespread and so when i looked deeper into the causes of this health crisis you know i realized that we had a problem called climate change another one called biodiversity loss, a third one called, you know, the extinction of a vast number of species. And as I subsequently moved into developing renewable energy in Asia, you start, once you are even mildly aware, you start seeing the impacts and the misery and the cost with your own eyes. And increasingly, therefore, over time, you start to want to do something about it first shyly, and then loudly, and then in an angry fashion, which is about where I'm at at the moment.
1: Yeah, I have to give you props for a good, uh, good, good name of a podcast. Uh, that's a really good one. The angry green energy guy. like that a lot. Uh, and it is, you know, it, it, I would say it's, it's sort of an unfortunate thing. And a lot of people, you know, say that messaging should be a, a bit more focused on the health impacts because we we put a lot of emphasis on the climate crisis because it is a bigger existential crisis for humanity for our future. But there is so much of a of an of a health crisis from air pollution that you could that you could focus on more. And I I, I was saying it was a bit unfortunate that we, that we don't have. We don't focus on that enough often I think because we're focused on the climate side and on the messaging side of that you know a lot of people point out that people people who are not so focused on this topic are more moved sometimes by the health messaging because they can feel feel that more immediately they can see how that could threaten their own lives and and it is interesting that you point out that that sort of is how you got most how, what really clicked with you when you when you saw that in china so it is something i guess to always keep in mind we should we should we should bring up the health as well as the climate matters well one thing that that i've seen you you're doing that i find really impressive and, and very thorough is you have a kind of list of greenwashing a greenwashing bad boys list or something so could you g- tell us a little bit about what this list is and what's on it and i i think for even the rest of the podcast we you could sort of go down your list of, of this?
2: Sure. I, I built that one over time. And I built it partly through the research that I do for my podcasts. And, and the problem is when you dig even slightly deeper into many things around us, okay, you start by getting angry, but then after that you see how pervasive greenwashing is as a phenomenon I mean we are literally swimming in it and you have to be highly skeptical and suspicious really and kind of bring a huge greenwashing lens to test government corporate and similar type of pronouncements around the world even NGOs I think I'm. I think I'm becoming paranoid, but trust me, I'm fighting it very hard. <laughs> no, I'm. And fighting I, and I'm, I'm
1: going to let you go, but I. I feel free to tackle anything controversial because you know I was. I'll just say we've struggled for the past year or more with some topics where some people are excited about them because they see them as potential important solutions, and other people are concerned that they're major greenwashing tactics aimed at delaying progress. And you sort of, and then you get in, and then it's not always black and white, there's nuance. And this is the problem is that there's nuance here. And that's what the greenwashing is about. I think it's is, is sort of trying to use the nuance to their benefit in a way that's not fair, not real. But, but I'm getting increasingly concerned too that, that some, some of these greenwashing tactics have been so effective that they've infiltrated the, the people who are most concerned about this kind of thing, which is which is very concerning.
2: Couldn't agree more. I put out a top 15 greenwashing list on uh, Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook, but it's by no means comprehensive, and you know, I think if I applied myself, I'd probably come up with a top 100. The order is also I mean I did put some work into the order, but some of the spots may be controversial. However, I think the number one prize unquestionably goes to big oil rebranding fossil methane as natural gas, right? So what they did is they added the word natural quite deliberately almost 30 years ago. And if you think about it, it's brilliant because natural oozes all this kind of organic and comfortable feeling and it puts you to sleep when in fact as we dig deeper into natural gas which is not only everywhere around us but you know getting effectively more used over time it, it, it is 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 probably worse than coal and i'm choosing my words carefully it's probably worse than coal and that rebranding of methane decades ago as natural is is very sophisticated because it wasn't like a one-off and it was and it had lots of ramifications so for example i remember in the eu emissions trading scheme the mantra 10 years ago was that we needed eu carbon to trade between roughly 30, 40 euros and 60 euros. No one quite understood where these numbers came from at the time, but they were the product of the same greenwashing machine because 30 to 40 euros, basically if you price carbon at that level, it allows you to kill coal, which is what the gas industry and the oil industry wanted to do. But magically, the 60-euro number actually brings coal back because it makes carbon capture and storage perhaps more common. And so that's where that number was coming from. And you can just see that someone super smart actually thought this through, went out to lobby the EU parliament, the EU commissioners, everybody responsible for the EU ETS. And frankly, it's impressive but 30 years later, we should know it's out there. You know, We should just know that. But if you read the media and, and, and listen to the public around you, it's still not. And they're still being called out today by advertising watchdogs for that claim that natural gas is clean energy.
0: This episode of Clean Tech Talk is sponsored by Flow, the maker of the Flow Home X5. The Flow Home X5 is an industry-leading home EV charging solution that features a stylish and durable aluminum casing and allows you to schedule, monitor, and optimize your charging via the Flow mobile app. Flow offers 24-7 customer support to help with installation and troubleshooting. To learn more about the Flow Home, please visit store.flow.com. That's store.flo.com.
1: Yeah, well, this is, uh, I mean, great work uh, for, for, on you to sort of dig up that history on both those things. Uh, we have been criticized a couple of times for using natural gas. And I I was like, huh, well, I hadn't really given it much thought. That's what it's called in the industry. And I didn't know that history, <laughs> actually. So I, I, I'll i just say now, I, I think we're going to, I'm going to try to have everyone change from using natural gas to using what you recommend, which I think, I think you said would, would be fossil methane or
2: fossil
1: gas so you can think about what, what we should be using you're going to be in charge of clean technical p- uh, policy here
2: fossil so give gas you a few
1: fossil gas. because i mean my I thought was well how, well we can't just call it gas because that's too generic so i was like well what what can we can't just call it methane uh so i didn't know you know i i was like well you know the industry term is natural gas would stick with it but um i i really like your point and also I mean, everyone in the in the U.S. at least, we're familiar with everything being natural. That's actually, you know, not natural. It's just like it's a very popular word to make things sound nicer, and it must be extremely effective because they put on all kinds of crap food that's not natural. But it is really, a, I think, is a really important key point you've made, and you have to wonder how much that has weakened policies or shaped policies over the past three decades because you know wording matters so so we're going to go with your recommendation which is fossil gas or fossil methane fossil which, gas fossil gas okay and i'll consult with our uh, some advisors as well but i think that's a, that sounds like our new policy so i appreciate that it's a big fight i hope in a few years i'm talking to you and saying look everyone's saying fossil gas now instead of natural gas this is you thank you you know for pushing this that earlier yeah you
2: know. that'd be amazing
1: so what else you have some other ones on and i mean like i said like we we're, we're a guilty party there we're, we we see ourselves as a big leader in clean tech messaging and and, and uh journalism and, and we're a guilty party for using natural gas so much uh, as a term so thank you uh what's next on your list
2: yeah we have to we have to give credit where credit is due. It was a brilliant piece of propaganda. It really was. The second one is almost equally as brilliant. Michael Mann is probably better than I am on that one, and that's big oil inventing carbon footprint calculators yeah this is another one, which are you know ubiquitous and the thing about these, and i don 't want to belabor the point is. You know, pretty simple. It's basically shifting the responsibility from big oil to the consumer who has to now run around computing his carbon footprint and trying his best to do something about it while being buried by fossil fuel fueled planes and ships and cars and a mountain of plastic in your clothing and your bottled water and your plastic bag and your straw. And, you know, it's an impossible job. But once again, it's brilliant because it shifts guilt, it shifts responsibility, and it sells product under the radar, right? So that was my number two.
1: Yeah, and, and those are not and, so pop. I mean, I don't think they're so popular these days, but they were 10 years ago, Uh And it still has an effect of exactly everything you said, shifting responsibility, blame, guilt onto individuals. And um,
2: yeah. Well, but you got to be careful when you say they're not popular. They're not popular because you and me as individuals may not be using them, but everybody peddling carbon offsets is. So your friendly airline, that's exactly what they're using. They're using a carbon footprint calculator an oil company trying to have you buy offsets at the pump. Yeah, that's what they're using. Uh, so these things you know, have kind of just, I don't know. They're- They've they grown to new levels. Everywhere. Sort of. Yeah. yeah there yeah.
1: They were seeds that grew to, to large uh, trees of, of, I guess, not trees. We should have something ne- negative. <laughs> we're giving, <laughs> I'm greenwashing what has happened. No, <laughs> but I'm try- trying to think of the right metaphor. They've grown from from small ideas to uh, to monsters like in Gully. We have <laughs> there. We go. Yeah, I don't know if you, yeah. I don't know, if you know the old mo- Disney movie Ferngully, Gully but it had a big effect yeah. on me when I was a kid.
2: It was it was a river you could see above ground, but now it's underground. But it's still the same river, you know.
1: Yeah. So what's another another? These are t- two great ones to kick off. Uh, and I know you said. There's some order to them, but not, not completely. But I think what what I what I what I what, what what I think is highlighted here is you're capturing things that are not not as commonly identified as greenwashing. So there's some things that get more commonly, oh, that's greenwashing. You're picking the seems like the ones that get the most people that sort of influence the most people uh, and are most effective.
2: I'm going to give you a couple of very big macro ones. So. My number eight was corporate net zero pledges of any sort with no plans to cut emissions to zero. Now, that is absolutely everywhere. And the thing about greenwashing, which is dangerous, is people may not even be aware, right, because not everybody's doing these things out of kind of a bad faith. There's a lot of people actually doing them with good faith. They're just not probing enough because they're focused on something else. And one which is linked to the corporate net, net zero pledges is, I said, the entire global volunt, volunt, voluntary, voluntary carbon markets, voluntary carbon markets are all greenwashing. Now, why did I say that? I have a much more detail in a a podcast, but the point is that when I started in the compliance and voluntary carbon market in 2004 and five, the entire structure of the market and rationale was that it's going to go away by 2020, right? It was a device to deliver a result, and then it's going to go away because it's transitioning to emissions cut. In fact, what happened? Not much from 2005 to 2020. Suddenly you wake up in 2021 and they're everywhere. Carbon offsets, right? And that's wrong because we don't really have any time for them anymore. We have hard deadlines in terms of the CO2 concentration, how much warming we're locking in, we don't have time for devices. And so if a carbon market is not legislated by a state or federal government, it shouldn't exist. At least the governments, they can increase the prices, uh, uh, cut out the cheating, and use it to effect real change. So these two are are somewhat linked. I'll give you another one that you may not have heard often: the green bond market.
1: Yeah, green I've market. only I've only heard good stuff about green bonds. <laughs> I've never seen someone say, "Hey, this is horrible." So I'm curious, and I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I haven't seen you talk about this. So, well, go, go it's ahead. Very straightforward. Yeah.
2: It's very straightforward. If you start from the premise that we don't have time, you immediately arrive to the conclusion that all bonds should be green. So when we are making an enormous amount of noise about what is not even 0.7%, I'm talking zero point, right? Under 1% of the global bond markets, then there's something wrong because all our attraction Is being directed to that 0.7, half of which, by the way, the green bonds is actually not green bonds, but let's put that aside. Yeah, there's
1: greenwashing within the green. This is nested greenwashing here. This is greenwashing greenwashing greenwashing.
2: square. Greenwashing square. But we're being distracted from going. You're making me depressed. You're making me depressed. (laughs) No, on the contrary, I'm making you motivated. This is we have to. We have to focus on the 99.3, what is it? Yeah, 99.3% that is not green bonds. You know, it's like, can we please keep our eyes on the big picture? But the green bonds, you know, there's a feeding frenzy of people happy about themselves, you know, banks and lawyers, consultants, and, and in a market which is not regulated by anybody, where almost anything can be green and you know that's really it's, it's, it has to stop i mean at a minimum at a minimum anybody issuing a green bond should stop issuing anything other than a green bond at a minimum i mean some decency you, you know but there isn't it's like a, it's like a, it's like the the big party at the end of the world
0: Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A C C O U N T S at Cleantechnica.com. Thanks.
1: Walk, walk, walk,